Welcome to the Melanin Private Practice Group Podcast with your host, Jay Lynn. In this podcast, we focus on providing helpful information to new and existing mental health practitioners interested in starting a private practice and or those who are currently in it but just need a little bit of help. If you are ready to receive this word, let's dive in. Here we go. Hello, 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 everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this live recording of our podcast. I am your host, Jay Lynn. I am super excited to be coming to you to deliver this message, managing a successful, I'm sorry, mastering a successful leadership, eight qualities you need to have. So how do you master successful leadership? There are three domains to know that you have mastered successful leadership. A, you're leading yourself. B, you're leading others. And C, you're leading an organization. In those three domains, you know that you have mastered uh, leadership when you are leading yourself. And in leading yourself, sorry guys, I got slightly distracted. You are managing your time. You are managing your thoughts. You are managing your emotions. You're able to communicate clearly, but more importantly, you are able to have a great attitude. You're able to push boundaries in a healthy way, but more importantly, set boundaries and manage your emotions. The second part of leadership is managing your employees, being able to delegate, being able to have collaborations, being able to have your team innovate and come up with successful strategies that help move your organization forward. Your frontline employees are the key to a successful organization. They see everything, they experience everything on the ground. They have the information that you need. While you guys receive the data on the back end, your frontline employees can tell you what is working and what's not working. So it is crucial that you as a leader are able to receive feedback from your frontline employees. Have empathy for your employees. That is crucial. A leader that can understand what their employees are going through, that can see their employees as human beings, not just another number in their organization, is successful in moving that organization forward. I want you to pause for a minute and think about some of the key reasons people resigned from their positions during COVID. I want you to also specifically think about how companies position themselves when it came to getting vaccinated and the stance that they took with many employees. I know for me personally, when it came to being able to navigate this, and we we utilize interns, we work with a specific organization and we get interns every three months. And one of the key things for me was keeping those interns safe. So I'm not going to require them to get vaccinated if they did not want to get vaccinated. However, the organization did require them to be vaccinated if they were going to be on site with us. So a workaround in which we came up with was we would allow our interns to work remotely. So I'm all for you have control of your body. You are allowed to make smart, effective decisions for your health. And I, as the employer, as the sponsor of you getting work experience, cannot tell you what is good for your health. Now, on the flip side, I am in healthcare. I have read through the data. I have read through the sciences. I understand it. I understand why vaccination was important. However, I am not you. I do not have the same health experiences as you, so I cannot tell you what is right for you. And so as a leader, I had to be willing to support my interns right where they were. And being able to do that, I was able to gain the trust of my interns. I was able to gain the support of my interns and they were willing to go above and beyond to support our business because we were willing to work with them and help them and and do and do more for them. 
So being a leader is more than just having a title and and directing people and getting the paycheck. It is putting the people who work for you, who help you grow and be successful in the goals that you are trying to achieve as another leader and and sorry y'all and in trying to achieve they help you be successful so when you put them first and you include them you are making a smart decision better decisions as a leader other other ways that you know that you're being effective in this area is that you stay calm in situations i may have mentioned this before that leading others requires you to have effective communication skills. And we're going to touch on that when we talk about the eight quality traits. On top of that, you need to be able to deal with conflict resolution. Uh, Or in this case, you need to be able to deal with conflict, right? You need to be able to remove your emotions, remove yourself from the situation and be able to work through different situations. Know when to speak, know when to not to speak, just to actively listen. Most of you guys are therapists, so you guys should know these stuff. I shouldn't have to tell you, but if you need a little reminder, I can give you a little reminder. That's not a problem. (laughs) Uh, Keep it professional, right? I, and this kind of intertwines with the emotions and the communication. Everybody doesn't communicate the same way. Everybody doesn't have the same lived experience, the same cultural experience. So keep in mind that when people are communicating and the body language and all of that, try to remember that it's not you. And also remember, professionalism looks different for everybody, right? For some people, professionalism professionalism might be that they speak their mind and they might think that they're being they're being um engaged in the conversation and they're speaking their truth while other people might see that as insubordinate right also remember that there is a difference between somebody being insubordinate and someone who's in active communication Also remember that there's a difference between control and manipulation. So you need to be able to spot these things without taking what's said and how it's said personal. A great leader knows how to yield. Let me say that again. A great leader knows how to yield. But more importantly, a great leader knows how to step back, reflect, assess their own responsibility in a situation and understand Was it me? Did I play a part in this? Or was it just the other person? Is it the other person's behavior? And how do we change this? How do we redirect this energy? Okay, so being able to effectively communicate. Again, we'll talk about that when we address the eight traits. Uh, Involve your team. I I touched on this a little bit before, so but I'll go into it again. Involve your team. Invite somebody from the front lines into your strategic planning things, uh, things, meetings. (laughs) Uh, When you involved your frontline team and you create that inclusivity, you are, what you're really doing in that moment is you're creating a bridge between your frontline employees, between operations, marketing, and you're exposing your team to information that otherwise they wouldn't really be privy to. They're getting the nitty gritty, right? Instead of just this brief overview and the memos that they get in the emails or posted on the cork boards or in the break room or at their workstations, they have direct access to information and can see why it is they're doing what they're doing. One of the things I love when I first started my business, one of the things that I loved about the interns that we would get each and every quarter is that when I included them in the planning process, they were excited to learn. Let me say it again. They were excited to learn. They took the information that we had in the strategic plans and they went off, okay? They went off. And because of that, our social media has grown, okay? Our clientele had grown because 
of the inclusive, uh, the inclusive, inclusivity. <laughs> I don't know why I can't speak today, y'all. <laughs> because of the inclusivity I offer to them. When you incorporate your team, and I will say this again until I'm blue in the face, when you include your team, you are opening the door for not only people to grow and expand their thought process and, and see themselves differently, you are also expanding growth within your company. People are willing to learn more and to uh, do more and they think outside the box and utilize all of the skills that they are that they are learning or have learned over the years. You just never know what people have or or will do if you don't tap into the untapped talent. Let me give you an example. I used to work for a rehabilitation center and when COVID first hit, I was like, ooh, I wanna be a part of the operational team. And the director of nursing in which I served under, she was not happy. She did not want me a part of those plans for whatever reason it was. And I can't speak to that and I and I won't speak to it uh, because I'm, I'm not her and I don't know her internal thoughts. But when the meetings were scheduled, my administrator, he was for it. He was like, yes, I like her energy. I had a wealth of knowledge and I could bring that knowledge to our organization to keep our residents safe. But for whatever reason, she did not want me a part of it. So she would reschedule the meetings. So when 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 we ended up, when COVID got into our facility, I said, have a good day. <laughs> I ended up catching it. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm out. <laughs> and so at that point, I took all the knowledge that I had and I poured it into my business. If you do not tap into the talent that you have, it doesn't matter what is on their resume. You do not know what people can do. Let me say that again. You do not know what people can do. And if you don't leverage the people that you have while you have them, you're going to miss out on a blessing for your organization that you wouldn't have missed out on had you utilized them. Okay, so make sure you tap in with the people who are at the front line. Don't don't look at them as beneath you or below you or not good enough because they're in a secretary role. You just might not know that they came from a directorship. So remember that your frontline employees, they have the knowledge. Utilize them. All right. Listen to your team. <laughs> Y'all, I, I, I can't stress that enough. Listen to your team. Listen to your team. <laughs> um, and then lead by example. Do not, do not, do not. If you're going to tell your team be on time, don't show up at 205. Okay. <laughs> lead by example. But also, if you're going to have flexibility and, 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 and you're going to say, okay, we're going to support our team, we're going to be there for our team, then back that up and hold yourselves accountable to that. All right. So that's leading others, leading an organization. My favorite. Y'all know I love, I love business stuff. Okay. When you are leading an organization, you are clear on your strategic direction. Let me say it again. When you are leading an organization, you are clear on your strategic direction. Also, communicating clearly and honestly, communicating from top down, all right? When you know your strategic plans and you know your missions and your goals and you've identified those things and they are all in alignment, you should be able to communicate that to your team. There should be no question on what you are working on in each quarter. Your team should not be confused. So if in quarter one, you are focusing on patient satisfaction, you know that that is your goal and your team is is focused on that goal. It is every every aspect of patient satisfaction from the first initial encounter, whether that is over the phone, whether that is with a doctor's office, whether that is front facing, whether that is out and about in the community during marketing outreach, whatever that looks like, you are putting that patient first. 
I strongly dislike, (laughs) and I'm being extra dramatic, but I strongly dislike when companies have a goal in one area and they're all focusing in another area. They're pushing revenue and they're collecting, 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 collecting. Okay, okay. Let's, Let's unpack that for a minute. You have a goal on patient satisfaction and you are hounding a patient because they haven't paid you and you haven't built a relationship with this patient. They owe you the money, yes, but you're so focused on getting this collections, maybe because there's commission or maybe because your boss yelled at you, okay, whatever. But now you've lost this patient and you still didn't get paid because of how you address the patient versus stepping back and asking the question, why hasn't the patient paid you? Okay, what is what is causing the patient not to pay you right this very second? And what could you do to work with the patient so that they can pay you? You see the difference? If you have an outstanding balance on this patient's account and you need the patient to pay, instead of being forceful, why don't you have a conversation? Hey, we noticed that you had an outstanding balance. We want to work with you to get this balance resolved, but we also understand that there might be things that are preventing you from doing this. How can we help you? What's going on? Can you can you give us some 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 insight as to what's going on? Maybe we can look into some financial programs that can help offset your 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 balance. Let let us know what's going on with you so we know how to better assist you so that your care is not stopped. Versus, hey, You have an outstanding balance. If you would like to continue seeing the doctor or continue seeing the therapist, we need payment on file. Excuse me? (laughs) Now, I I want you to see the difference, okay? Someone who is stressed out, someone who is tired and and has a thousand things going on, they're not going to receive that second thing. The, the second approach, they're going to be put off. Let, let's, let me say it differently. They're going to look at you like, okay, well then wait. <laughs> and on second thought, let me go over here to this therapist who's more compassionate. And maybe they'll work with me if I explain what's going on to them. Because I came in to tell you what was going on and work something out. But because you were off-putting, now I'm going to just cancel and go elsewhere. Because you lacked empathy and you lacked compassion. Whereas the first approach is going to let you know or let me know, yes, I have this responsibility. I need to communicate this sooner. I'm so sorry. I'm going to get this paid. Please work with me. You see the difference? Patient satisfaction, have a goal, work towards that goal. But more importantly, make sure your team is equipped uh, let me say it again. Make sure your team is equipped to be able to work towards that goal. Great leader. It starts with great leadership and the culture that you set. All right. Operational effectiveness. Y'all know I love this stuff. Okay. I'm sorry I'm rushing. I have limited time. I have to be out here in 10 minutes. So work with me. Operational effectiveness. You need a framework. I cannot stress that enough. I've talked about this in past lives. This podcast is new, so you guys have not heard me talk about this before. But if you're following me on Instagram at JLWMedMH, then you know that I talk about operational framework all the time time. It is imperative that you have a framework. You need to know what systems you're going to use. You need to know what um, strategy you're using. You're gonna, you need to know your shared values. Do the patients share the same values as you as a leader, as you as an organization, you as a whole, you as a person, right? You need to know the skills that your employees need to have, the skills that you have. If you're lacking those skills, who's going to fill those voids? You need to know the style of leadership that you possess. What what leadership style do you have? Okay? You need to know those things because that's going to help you formulate your team. Uh, we work with the talent optimization specialist. She's called the team dream of the dream team specialist. <laughs> Y'all, she's going to get me for butchering her title. Hey, Adriana. 
We partner with her to help you guys build your team. Why? Because building the right team for your organization ensures success. But more importantly, it helps you to plan for in the event that there are changes in your staff, whether that is a resignation, helps you avoid termination in the long run. But if there is a resignation, you already know what kinds of people you need in your organization. So she specifically focuses on talent optimization. And so focusing on that helps you as a leader identify what it is that you need for your organization to be successful as far as the talent side goes. So that goes back to the type of leader that you are. If you don't know what type of leader you are, that's kind of a problem. So we need you to address that ASAP, okay? So know your styles. So having an operational framework starts there, okay? So what I've started to quote was McKinsey 7S framework. If you don't know the McKinsey 7S framework, that is another consulting agency that came up with this framework to help new businesses start to look at their operational framework from a from the 7S framework perspective. Uh, it's the best way that I can break that down for you. And so I didn't list all of them. I just list a few of them. Uh, but being able, that's a starting point. Structure is another one of them. So who who is in your organization? Uh, so you have your CEO. Do you have vice presidents? No, you're a small business. You're a medium sized business. Okay, so you don't have you don't have vice presidents right now. Okay, so who are your managers? Do you have managers? Okay, great. Uh, how many? One, two, three, four, five. Just one? Okay, great. So <laughs> how many frontline employees do you have? Is it just yourself? Well, can't really have a manager. If you're the CEO, doesn't really make sense. So let's go back to the drawing board. You see why it's important to write these things out? It's important because if you are a solopreneur, then you're just by yourself. And if you have a virtual assistant, then document that. But maybe for year one or maybe the end of year one, you want to start hiring people. Your structure is important. You need to start highlighting who's coming and when. Okay, maybe you're getting another employee on top of your virtual assistant. And maybe your virtual assistant serves as the supervisor in quotations on the podcast. You guys can't see that I just did air quotations. And maybe that virtual assistant is delegating work to your new hire. Okay. What is your new hire going to do? Are they going to focus on billing? Are they going to focus on marketing and outreach? Is and a part of knowing that is knowing what areas of the business you need to delegate out to. So structure is very, very important. I know that I don't have much time to keep diving into that. So I'm just going to keep moving forward. Know what's, know what's working and what's not working. That is crucial. You need to have a process improvement plan, which kind of goes back to an effective operational plan. Okay. Uh, so in the healthcare setting, because this is this is my field, right? Specifically healthcare. When you let's use the telephone system for example, when you have calls coming in at at all hours of the day, monitor what time of the day seems to be the busiest. And if you know that patients are frustrated with their calls not being answered, what's something that you can do to eliminate that frustration if they're not able to get through? Now, for the doctor or the therapist that just said in their back of the mind, well, if the call is not being answered, <laughs> then it's not being answered. It could just go to voicemail or we'll get back to them when we get back to them. Mm-mm. 80%, and this is backed by data and research, 80% of patient complaints is communication. And a part of communication is telephone calls. I'll tell you from personal experience, my number one pet peeve is when I can't get through to my doctor's office, especially when I need to be seen today. Not today, today, okay? But emphasis on it. <laughs> 
I need to be seen today. I, I'm literally that patient, okay? I'm, my doctor loves me, but sometimes the administrators, <laughs> they're like, here she comes. Because they know, they know I'm very specific. Being that I work in healthcare, there is a level of expectation that I have of other healthcare administrators. And when it's not met, I feel some type of way. I'm not going to lie. But that's another conversation for another day, y'all. What I am saying is that having open lines of communication is imperative, right? Not only do you lose business when people are unable to get through, you also, (laughs) you are unable to get your needs met. I, I remember there was a time where I would call back to back to back because it would be hours before the call would be answered. Now it's to a point where they have enough um, uh, administrators to be able to answer your call within enough timing. They've improved the way in which they communicate with patients. And also, they also have um, an online communication tool. So that online communication tool allows me to send a message and I typically get a response back within hours. So I'm happy with that. I've, 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 I've been uh, okay and have adjusted with that. Can you offer a communication tool when patients can't get through over the phone? Can you have an answering service? What are some ways that can alleviate the the pains when patients can't get through to you? Do they have to wait until the next business day just to be able to call up and get through? Those are things that you need to think about as you are building your practice. What's working? What's not working? And if it's a specific time of day that they are that they are struggling to get through to your phone lines, what is it about that time of day that that makes it hard? Is it too many people are out on break? Is it that everybody just thinks that they can call in the morning because they think that they can get through? Let me get through early enough. Do you need more people managing the phone lines? Do you need more phone lines? What What's the issue and how can you, um, how can you make sure that your patients' uh, calls are being answered, and if their callbacks are not being done within the time frame, the policy that you set, how can you make sure that their callbacks are being done in the appropriate time? All right, fixing the breakdowns between leadership and frontline employees. I've sort of addressed this, but I'm going to address it again. Making sure that your relationship is strong, is solid and strong with your frontline employees is crucial. Now, this is my personal opinion. I have not done full research on it, so I'm going to share it simply from my personal opinion. When it comes to relationships in in businesses with frontline employees, I will personally say that if you do not have that relationship with your employees, if there is constantly disruption in that culture, there's more likely for you to have high turnover than there is for people to stay in an environment that is disruptive to their mental health and, and, and wealth. Let's just say it like that. A lot more people are, are choosing themselves over a company. And so when the strategic plans are not clear, when the work is not clear, you can have a job description, but the functions change every day. We talked about delegation earlier, right? So if a manager or a leader is delegating work to somebody to get things done and that work is too bearable and that employee is saying, hey, this is too much for me and you're not willing to hear it because it's too much for you and you just need them to do it and you know that they have metrics and goals and if they don't meet their metrics and goals, they're likely to get in trouble and that employee is communicating, hey, listen, this is too much for me and instead of delegating it to someone else, you keep it on them, that will be a problem and it will affect whether or not that employee A respects you as a leader and B will continue to work with you or for you. So being able to recognize when the relationship is at risk of crumbling and or when the relationship is potentially going to to fail or lead to a resignation and possible termination down the road for continued um, issues 
is crucial. So repair that early, assess assess what the situation is or why there might be some pushback in any situation and respond to it. Being a leader is being selfless. It's serving other people. And a part of managing your organization is making the best decisions on behalf of the organization. It doesn't always require a termination and getting rid of people. Sometimes it requires you, the leader, to take a step back and ask yourself, what is it that I can do to make sure that I'm best serving in this situation that is true leadership. So now we're going to go back to the eight qualities and then we will wrap up today's episode. So we've talked about lead by example, communication, effective communication, not listening to respond, but listening to understand, right? When you listen to understand, you gather data. You can be able to take in, go back, think, investigate, reassess, and come back to the table and respond to whatever it is that you're responding to. Motivate and inspire. I had a manager or leader, technically, who saw me. I I have been contracting for, I wanna say 12 out of the 14 years I've been in healthcare. And as a temp or contractor, Uh, Going into different organizations was very challenging for me, and I'll tell you why. Most people that I worked with did not value me as a contractor. I was a wealth of knowledge. I brought a lot, and I did a lot. Have you ever gone into an organization and felt underappreciated because of your status as a temp Okay, (laughs) you're a temp, you're a contractor, you're not an employee. So having that divide, right, in statuses and titles often left or created a lot of conflict. Well, there was this one position that I took, and I often talk about this. There was this one contract I took helping a doctor's office essentially um, get back together. A doctor retired and another doctor bought the practice. And they were discombobulated to the maximum, okay? And I had the knowledge to be able to help them get back on track. But I also was a little afraid to to, uh, act on that knowledge because any time that I've acted on that knowledge, I would either get reprimanded (laughs) for for, um, not doing the work or I would get scolded for for stepping out of my place. It, it would be some crazy stuff. But the reality is they were threatened by my skills. Let's just call it what it is, okay? So I went to the manager and I said, hey, listen, I preface this by saying I understand I'm a contractor. However, I can help you fix your processes if you allow me to but I will only do it if you want me to. Basically, I'm saying, I'm not going to make a move without your permission, but I have the ability to help you get where you want to go. Do you want me to help you? Okay. I was hired just to clean up their referrals, but she saw enough value in me and my skill set to allow me to come in for an additional time, for an additional six months to clean up their processes, okay? So I put them all on electronic processes. We got them an answering service. We did a whole spew of things, okay? When I tell you, so patients who were, they they were calling, they were angry, they were upset. They were all these things because they couldn't get through and then some were upset because they had been with this doctor for so long and now, <laughs> now this doctor is leaving and they have this new doctor. They didn't choose this doctor and now they're like, mm, I don't want to stay. And this doctor's trying to convince some of them to work with them. Some of them stay, some of them leave. It, it was a nightmare. We he, he was seeing at least at least 120 patients a day between his patients and the other doctor's patients trying to get them in, meet the demands. It was nuts. I was surprised he didn't pass out in the practice, y'all. Okay, like it was nuts. But what I love the most is that both him and the manager saw me. 
Okay, let me say it again. They saw me. They saw my worth, they saw my value, and they took a chance. And because they took a chance, their practice started making money. They started thriving. I developed the confidence I needed to be able to communicate that I have the skills and I have what it takes to move you along. I didn't allow what happened to me in other roles to jade me. I gave you a chance to make a decision on whether or not you want to go to the next level. I'm here because you need help. And if you want that help, you're going to act on it. But if you don't want that help, then I'm going to sit back. Okay. I'm going to sit back. But if you want the help, I will give you the help that you're waiting for. But you have to make the choice. Being a leader requires you to motivate and inspire other people. And that leader did more. Her name was Lauren Gabaldi. I'm not saying her last name right, y'all. She did more for me than any other leader that I've served under. I don't think y'all really understand. She helped develop my skills and nurture them to where I am today. And because of her, I was able to start my own consultancy firm. Because of her, she gave me the courage. Actually, let me tell you what the doctor did. The doctor asked me, because he had, I I know I'm getting off track, but just work with me, y'all. The doctor had his own pharmaceutical line. That's how dope he was, okay? And he was only 35, his own practice and his own pharmaceutical line, y'all, okay? So at the time, I was working part-time in a retail store, and I was still, you know, contracting. So I said... How do you how did you do that? This is when I first started inquiring about entrepreneurship. Pause for a moment for all of my spiritual folks. Sometimes God will send you into a business to learn about something to set you up for your next. Okay. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there for a hot second. So I was there. And he was telling me about his pharmaceutical line and how he's developing this product. And I was really intrigued by by the fact that he had his own business. And on top of that, he had his own pharmaceutical line. Like he was about to blow up. And I was like, how can I do this? How can I leverage my skills to start my own business? Like I want my own business. Well, serving under my leaders my doctor and my practice manager, I was able to to figure out how I could take my skills and, and start my own company. I'm literally watching people around me have their own company. Well, what did I need to do? So I started talking to people around me. I started talking to my hairdresser who is a business owner. And she's the one who told me, go to score, go to Clark University. And I said, oh, okay. And she said, those resources are free. <laughs> Okay, so then y'all, so let me tell y'all, y'all really get in the business today, okay? I used to clean houses. Y'all not ready for this. I used to clean houses, okay? This one lady I went to before I left the platform, this one lady I went to, uh, I was in my Northeastern sweatshirt and I, you know, setting up. She's like, oh, you went to Northeastern? And I said, yes, I went to Northeastern. And she said, oh, well, I went to Northeastern, you know, way back in the day. I was like, hey, Husky Nation. Anybody who knows me know when I see somebody from the Husky Nation, I always do my little dance like, hey. Okay, cool. Well, she said, oh, well, what are you studying? I said, healthcare management. She said, no way. I said, yeah. I said, is that what you study? She was like, no, but I'm in healthcare. I said, oh, really? What do you do? Like, I think I'm about to, like, get some, like, hookup or something, (laughs) get into a newer position. And she was like, well, I'm a healthcare consultant. Hey. <laughs> Y'all not ready for this today. <laughs> so I said, oh, okay, what is a healthcare consultant? Okay. <laughs> and she said, well, we basically go into companies <laughs> and we give them recommendations for how to, how to move in their companies, how to grow, how to expand, how to do better. I said, well, isn't that what I just did? So let me tell you something because <laughs> y'all weren't ready for this today. You just never know how you will inspire people to grow beyond what they thought they could do. 
every day when you show up in your business, pour in to your frontline employees. I was cleaning a house, y'all, okay? I was cleaning a house. And a simple conversation with a woman gave me the idea, divine timing. Let me say it again, divine timing led me to what I was looking for, the answer I was looking for on what it is I'm called to do. And so as I was, as I was uh, getting the vision, I said, okay, God, <laughs> okay, God, I hear you. I hear you. I said, okay, n- now how do I make it work? <laughs> And so when I left the practice, when my contract ended, I went to work for another company, third company, okay? I know I said this story was supposed to be over, but clearly I'm, I'm still going. <laughs> I went to work for another company. It was a medical device company, and I gained more experience, and I served under another leader. And this leader saw my skills from a revenue standpoint and she expanded on those skills and I got promoted within the first three months to um what was I promoted to y'all oh AR specialist because I went further and above and beyond and collected over a hundred and ninety thousand dollars that was owed to the company. Why? From doing my job. Why? Because I had a leader who saw me and said, you know what? You're asking a lot of questions. You're asking the right questions. Let me help you and give you the information you need to be successful so that we as a team can be successful. That's what she did. She didn't stifle me. She didn't hold me in stagnation. She didn't turn around and say, no, don't ask these questions. Mind your business. Do the job that I'm paying you to do. She turned around and said, hmm, well, why do you think that is? Okay, well, if you feel that way, why don't you go back and look at this and then come back and tell me what that is? That's what she did. And those questions, she kept pulling on me and the knowledge. She allowed me to take additional trainings and access information, more information, which helped me to grow and be able to serve you today. So motivating and inspiring employees sets them up for success, whether it's still with your organization, right? Because when we serve, we're not serving our employees or our interns to not just stay with us. We want them to stay with us. Don't get it twisted, okay? (laughs) We want them to stay with us. But we're serving them to help them reach their full capacity for, for that season so that they can get to the next place of where they're called to be. That is what a true leader is, not someone who stays beneath them just to do what they need them to do. You're not serving. You're controlling. Let's be clear on that. Okay. Y'all, I'm not preaching today. Decision making. <laughs> Decision making, hard decisions, making hard decisions. That is another quality that you need to be able to have as a leader, whether that is terminating an employee that is not serving the business. If they, even if they are your friend, I have another story for you. I reached out to a friend of mine who helped me get a position and I was not doing my job. Let's just call it what it is, y'all. I was not doing the job that I was supposed to do, and she had to make a hard decision knowing my circumstance. She understood that I was suffering from depression, and she understood that I was just in a really dark place, but I was not doing the job that I was called to do. And so because of that, she had to make a hard decision, and she had to say, God, I'm sorry, Jessica, I have to let you go. I was pissed. Okay, (laughs) I shouldn't have been shocked, but I was pissed. I'm like, what you mean you got to let me go? I'm still showing up to work. I'm doing my job, but I wasn't doing the job. There's a difference. The job and my job are two different things. And you might say, well, how is that different, right? My job is, is bare minimum. The job is fully invested doing everything for every stakeholder involved. And she knows the difference between my job and the job because we've worked together before, okay? She knows when I'm fully invested and when I'm just doing bare minimum. And my bare minimum was actually hurting the job. So 
not being able to fully perform, she had to let me go. You need to make hard decisions. If you are the type of leader that has favorites or your best friend is working for you and y'all are happy because now y'all can do lunch together every day and get that Starbucks and have great conversation and check on the kids and now y'all can do y'all TikTok videos, it's not gonna work for the business. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because your other employees are gonna see that. And they're going to see the favoritism. And then they're going to feel some type of way. So then they're going to start doing bare minimum. Then you're going to reprimand them for doing bare minimum. And after you've reprimanded them for doing bare minimum, then they're going to leave. And when they leave, you're going to have a hard time getting them back. So you need to be able to make hard decisions, even if it means letting go of the best friend that you employed in the business. You have to be able to put the business first. But more importantly, you have to be able to know when you need to incorporate other employees into that decision. I'm not talking about the termination now. I'm talking about including your other employees and knowing what's best for the culture, knowing what's best for the organization, and knowing that you are doing what's right. So that is number I think we're on number four. Number five is integrity. Being a great leader means you need to have integrity. And this goes back to decision-making. When you have integrity, you are making great decisions. You are thinking of your stakeholders. You're not just thinking about yourself. You're not just uh, making decisions because it's self-pleasing. I know I'm repeating myself at this point. Uh, You are not just making decisions to pad your bank account. You're not just making decisions because it's, it's helping you become better. You're making decisions that affect everybody involved. It affects the community. It affects your patients. It affects your employees. It affects your organization. Integrity involves, keeps you in line, your character, but you as a person. So making sure you as a leader have integrity is super important. People watch for that. Okay. Demonstrate success. Demonstrating success. I think that can also go back to how you regulate yourself as a leader. Being time, being on time, being organized, being able to regulate your own emotions. Also, when I when I'm I'm gonna correlate this to managing emotions slash regulating self. One thing that I would caution leaders on doing is not comparing yourself to others. Everyone's experience is different. Everyone manages situations differently. You guys are therapists, so you know how people show up. Um, Or you should know how people show up. One of the things that I've heard um, in the therapy space is that a lot of times what people tend to experience is that if they don't have the same lived experience culturally, that there's lack of empathy, that there are people that will will kind of come off dismissive because it's it's not something that they can resonate with. If you can't do that in a therapy session, can you really do that with your employees? If you can't, that's going to be a problem. I'm not asking you to be friends with your employees, not even asking you to be buddy-buddy. What I'm asking you to do is be able to separate when someone is coming to you with a lived experience and they're communicating to you that something they're unable to do it the way in which you need them to do it and find a middle ground, okay? Find a middle ground that can help them in the way that they need to move in order to be able to accomplish the goal. When you demonstrate success, remember how you accomplish something is not how someone else's ability and how other people show up is the same way that they will accomplish it. So being able to be flexible and and adjustable to other people's needs is so important. That's how you demonstrate success, not just on you, but the other people that you are inspiring and motivating. Eager to learn, okay? Eager to learn is so important. It's another quality that you need to have, not only as you develop uh, personal development and growing and being becoming the best version of yourself personally, professionally, 
but also being willing to learn from your employees, whether it's a manager or a frontline. I've said this consistently and I will continue to say it. Your employees are a wealth of knowledge. No offense, you don't know everything. I don't know everything. I still have to learn. I'm in continuing education classes all the time. I'm technically still in school. I'm in a double master's program, okay? Knowing knowledge is power. Let me say that again. Knowledge is power. So being willing to learn, being willing to grow, being willing to to expand past what you already know is going to help you be successful. If you're not willing to learn, if you know everything, if you if you can't receive feedback as a leader, you're going to have problems. Let me say it again. If you're unwilling to learn, if you're unwilling to receive feedback, and you're unwilling to grow, you are going to have problems as a leader. Point blank, period. Lastly, innovate, innovate, innovate. Innovate, innovate, innovate. It's my favorite one, y'all, okay? Innovation is so important. You need to be able to think outside the box. If COVID taught us nothing, it should have been innovation, okay? Telehealth has been around for a while. It has not always been approved for delivering care. But as soon as COVID happened, what did CMS do? CMS said, you know what? Telehealth. Telehealth. Yes, let's let's give it let's give it telehealth. Let's give it access because patients can't come in person and we still need to deliver healthcare, right? And so what did all of these electronic health record systems do? They made they created open API accesses where you could integrate telehealth systems or they incorporated telehealth within their EHR systems and they're continuing to work to expand telehealth but also recognizing that there are other issues that are involving it. They there's HIPAA and there's privacy and they have to make sure that it's secure and safe. Why? Because there's all this hacking that's taking place and they need to make sure that patients information as well as as their 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 what they're sharing. I was trying not to go that route, but we'll go that route. What they're sharing is safe, right? And protected. So innovation takes place. They, there's a lot of brainstorming and thinking and, and surveys and focus groups that have to take place in order to, to make sure that people are, are heard and understood and that the problems get resolved. You're in business to solve a problem. So you have to think outside the box. When other market forces come in and affect your business, such as the war, okay, you need to be able to think outside the box. When gas prices went up, how did that affect your patients? Were patients still able to get to your practice? Was your practice at a distance where now you saw a decline in access? Were jobs effective where now you saw a drop in insurance insurance panels or a drop in cash pay? How did you respond? Did you start leveraging strategic partnerships? Did you start seeking corporate sponsorships? Did you start seeking grant funding to apply for, to create a financial assistance program? If you've been on my Instagram for, I don't know, the last year, maybe six months, maybe three months, maybe two years, you should have at this point. Why? Because I have consistently said sponsorship, grant, contracts, sponsorship, grant, contracts, sponsorship, grant, contracts. Why? People are struggling. And just because they're struggling today does not mean that at one point they didn't have the funding and it doesn't mean that they're not your ideal client. Get that out your head now. A matter of fact, there's a post that I put on my Instagram. I know that we have some podcast listeners. And if you're on the podcast, definitely come over to our Instagram as well at JLWMedMH. We put this, 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 post up that says actually let me let me grab the phone I'm gonna tell you exactly what it says because I know I'm gonna quote it wrong if I if I try to do it from memory so give me just one second friends okay so the post says 
at the top, just do nothing. And then it says, it is impossible on the right-hand side. But at the bottom, it pushes the entire message together. And it says, just do it. Nothing is impossible. And so the caption reads altogether, changing your perspective will change your life. Let me say it again. Changing your perspective will change your life. If you remain stuck, okay? If you remain stuck on the problem and you are unwilling or you don't look outside the box, you're not constantly assessing these threats, you will have problems. You 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 will put your organization in risk. Let me say it differently. Creating a funding source does not mean that your patient doesn't mean that your patient is not or potential patient is not your ideal client. It means that you're giving your ideal client who once had the funding to be able to access you an opportunity to access you while they're down. And when they reassess and readjust and realign back into a space where they can afford to pay full price, you've already, you've helped them to be able to reposition themselves because instead of straining and stressing and getting worse, now you have helped them and you're not giving them a hand out, you're giving them a hand. Let me say that again. You're not giving them a hand out, you're giving them a hand. You're making it easier for them to be able to access you. And now when they go out and they get the position that helps them to be able to pay your full rate without assistance, now you can use that resource to help someone else. Think outside the box. Everything is not, they're not my ideal client. Stop it. Just stop it. (laughs) Just stop it. Why are you in healthcare? If you were on the Instagram live, you should have seen my face just now. Why are you in healthcare? I, 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 I get, I cringe every time I hear that. And, and, and there's this other saying that there's all these jobs, there's all these jobs, there's all these jobs, yes. And I know plenty of people who've put thousands of applications out over the last two, three years, and they still are struggling to find a job. So what does that tell you? They have the skill sets. They've changed the job descriptions to match their resume and to get through the black hole and they're still not being hired. So what can you do to help them? They're getting money from other sources, but it's not enough to pay for everything. I know plenty of patients that are struggling to maintain their light bill, pay their grocery bill, and pay for their mental health. So instead of putting out all these societal um uh, systemic ideal, ideal idealizations, why don't you just focus on growing? People are paying for value. They're not paying for judgment. Let me say that again. People are paying for value. They're not paying for judgment. They want to know that they are getting the best care possible. Why do you think some of these hospitals are thriving right now? I have consistently said, think like a healthcare system, act like a small business. Think like a healthcare system, act like a small business. Innovation is key for your success. We have the patient provider bridge program. Patient Provider Bridge Program helps to connect patients to mental health providers. And every provider that signs up for that program, we take 25% of our proceeds and we put it into a financial assistance fund. So any patient that comes through us that is struggling financially, and when they fill out our intake form and they're struggling financially, we can then turn around and say, we have enough in our pool to be able to help you pay for a month or two months. Can you what can you pay? What can we pay? That's how we're helping hand out. Innovate, innovate, innovate. Innovate, innovate, innovate. That is how you grow. 
All right, friends. That's it for today. <laughs> I really, really hope that you've learned something today. As always, we love doing the work that we do. We love inspiring you. We love helping you achieve your goals. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Click the link in our bio to learn more about us. Send us a message on Instagram or an email and we'll get back to you within 48 to 72 hours. That's our time today. We look forward to seeing you next time, every Saturday, 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bye for now. Well, friends, that's our time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. This podcast is sponsored by JLW Medical Management Consulting. We are now accepting applications for the patient referral program and the 90-day private practice boot camp. If you would like to learn more, please visit us online at www.jlwmedicalmh.com. We look forward to seeing you next time.